And she was like, I was the one that solved the riddle. And I was like, girl, that riddle was made for primary school, for like little kids. I mean, the solution was so easy. I didn't even read the entire riddle. I was just like, I'm not reading all of this, but the answer is love. <laughs> See? <laughs> what else could it oh be? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, Lina here. And I'm Anya. And welcome to our podcast, More Than Fiction. Uh, today we'll be talking about Akotar, book one. So A Court of Thorns and Roses. So I guess we'll just start off by giving like mild, I don't know, uh, opinion of the book. Just like a general opinion, I would say. So Anya, what did you think? Did you like it? I actually have changed my opinion a little bit on this book because I actually read it the first time years and years ago. I think I got an advanced reader's copy before it even came out and I checked my Goodreads review and I basically just said, this is boring. I don't like any characters. The writing was boring. There was no good world building. Like what's going on? So my initial opinion a few years ago was actually like really judgmental. But right now, the second time around, I decided to like really go into it with an open mind and expect to just have fun and not overthink what's happening too much because I also like know that other books will be better so I just like need to like really have fun with the first one so second time around I enjoyed it a lot more I kind of like knew what to expect so my opinion I would say like four stars if we're doing stars we don't need to do stars but I would say four <laughs> stars okay fair enough I well my experience is kind of like yeah I was positively surprised because when I went into it, I expected it to be really, really bad just because a lot of people in the fandom, like Sarah J. Mass fandom, were telling me how the first book, you have to kind of like um, struggle through it, you know, and you really have to force yourself to read it and that it's going to only get better and better with books. And I was like, okay, well, I ex so yeah, I expected it to be bad. Plus, you also told me that you read it years ago and you didn't like it. So... Yeah, I just didn't expect much. And once I started it, I was immediately hooked. You know, I was really interested in these characters and in this world and these courts. Like, they intrigued me. I thought it was like a cool, fun concept. It didn't sound too complicated, just very, like, you know, easy to understand. And I kind of liked that at the time. I just wanted something too easily understand, I guess, not <laughs> like a high fantasy complicated book, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I was actually really positively surprised and I think I would give the first book, like if we're doing stars, um, a four and a half. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of really depends on like your expectations or what you're like really looking for. In a Definitely. Book. I mean, yeah. it depends also, I feel like on, I don't know how to say this, like on where you are in your life at the time, you know, if you read like a book before that was very like high fantasy very complicated it feels good to just you know do something different i suppose mm -hmm. um or vice versa so it just really depends where you are at because you can start a really good book cannot like it just because of the you know time in your life where you're at at that moment yeah it really makes sense like sometimes you just like get a feeling that it's just not the right moment for you to read a certain book and then one day you're just like you know what this book i'm reading it and then, like, <laughs> as you're reading it, you, like, get why it took you years to get into it. Because for some reason, like, in this exact moment, 
it turns into the perfect book for the moment. So I kind of like trust, trust the process and trust the vibes on that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now that we got rid of that, we'll just kind of give a little description of the book, just kind of like a mini recap. There are going to be spoilers for this first book, but just for the first book, we're not going to talk about the second or the third, just exclusively A Court of Thorns and Roses. So you don't have to worry about any of that. But if you haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, then, you know, you probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> um, yeah. And also just to remind you guys that these are just strictly our opinions. I mean, we're probably going to disagree on a lot of things as well. But, you know, we have to respect each other's opinions and being kind about it. So remember that. So anyways, um, this book is about this girl, human girl named Farah. It's set in a world where fairies are a thing, but they live behind the wall in Prithian. Um, so they're basically separated from humans. Um, there was like this big war in the past and humans used to be slaves to the fairies. And now like it's different, but they still have, you know, there's still animosity and humans fear fairies while fairies don't like humans just in general. So they're separated, but... Everything changes for Farah when she kills this wolf that she wasn't supposed to kill. The wolf was the shapeshifter. He was like a fairy. So then this big monster one named Tamlin walks into her house and he basically like says that she has to go with him because of a contract that the peoples made long, long ago. So that's how the story kind of starts and it revolves around Farah. So I guess, Anya, if you agree, we can start off by the time when Farah was like in her little human cabin with her human family. And what was your impression of that whole situation? Uh, yeah, of course. Let's start at the beginning. The first time I was reading this book, I do remember thinking that it was kind of reminiscent of Hunger Games, just like the very, very beginning. Because, you know, you have this like little scrawny girl who needs to feed her family. She needs to go into the forest, needs to hunt, needs to like, you know, make sure none of her family members starve. And she's somehow responsible for that. So I did get a feeling that, you know, I've read this kind of thing before. But, you know, this time around, they just kept going. It doesn't matter that I read something similar. I can still have fun. So, yeah, I kind of went into it with a little bit more of an open mind. And I actually ended up really liking Feyre. It was really interesting to me that she is the youngest sister. And usually the younger sibling is the one that has the easiest, right? Right, right. Right. And in the first book, her family was so ungrateful so spoil i mean they did go through like a really difficult situation but still it shouldn't have fallen on a little 14 year old's shoulders to save them from literally starving to death right so i do have a lot of empathy for Feyre in that moment i agree i was shocked when i read the way her family behaved towards her you know, I kind of like, I was like, okay, maybe the sisters are just, you know, they're proper ladies or whatever, and they don't want to get their nails dirty and stuff. But what really shocked me was just Nesta's behavior. Like, she was just mean to her. And she was like, you know, when are you going to go and sell the fur or whatever so I can get new shoes and stuff? And like, what about her? Doesn't she need new stuff? And I remember, I don't remember the details, but I remember Farah saying that she kind of needed new boots or something. But no one even thought about that. You know, they were just thinking of themselves. And then like uh, Elaine and Nesta started fighting among themselves who's going to get what. And I was just like, it felt like Pharaoh was their mom. And I was so shocked by that because, yeah. yeah, she was the youngest and no one even thought of like taking care of her. 
so that didn't really sit right with me at all. And I immediately felt for Feyre and I felt her struggle. And yeah, it also kind of reminded me of the Cinderella story a little bit, you know, like the two evil stepsisters or whatever. Um, and what also kind of annoyed me, I mean, I know that that's also awful. I mean, he's the adult in the situation and he didn't do anything. He let Farah go out there alone. But at mm -hmm. the same time, I also was kind of repulsed by Nesta at the beginning because of the way she treated her dad. I remember she removed his chair so he wouldn't be able to sit on it or something. And he had the bad leg. And I kind of get that you're angry at him and probably no. fight with him a lot. And you tell him off and you tell him to his face that what he's doing is not okay. But you don't treat him cruelly. I mean... I imagine this to be an older man with like a leg that didn't work. So I just remember being really repulsed by Nesta at the beginning. And I also didn't like Elaine because, you know, everyone was saying like, oh yeah, Elaine, she's really sweet and everything. But how sweet can she be if she literally just, she pretends like everything's okay. That's not okay. You know what I mean? It's different from Nesta. Right. Nesta's like straight out an ass about it. But Elaine, she's a hypocrite. So what? what is worse? Which one is worse, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like Elaine never actually took a stance. She never protected Feyre from the behavior of Nesta. So it was really like Nesta and Elaine are their own like little group and they just pretend like everything is normal. And then, yeah, the dad is also in denial and Feyre is basically left to like make sure her family survives. Like it was absolutely giving like Cinderella. And yeah. that is one part of those books that I didn't appreciate the first time that I do really appreciate now. It's just how many fairy tale tropes that there are in them. Like there's so many moments that are so reminiscent of certain fairy tales or certain like, tropes that are present in a lot of fairy tales. Like yeah, like three sisters, for example, and I'm sure we'll talk about more of them. I just really enjoyed that the author just went there and really like employed a lot of them, but in a way that was still interesting for like a older reader, right? So it was really really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I like I personally like the fairy tale trope, mm -hmm. so I was really into that, and I also went into it knowing that it was kind of like a retelling of the Beauty and the Beast. And I love Beauty and the Beast. It's one of my favorite fairy tales ever. So that was exciting for me. But yeah, the Cinderella mm -hmm. plot also kind of surprised me. And I liked it. I liked it. Can I go best something? Um, yeah. I don't get how this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Like, I guess, like, Tabling Guide of the Beast. But fair, I can't even read. <laughs> Belle's whole thing was that she's a huge reader. <laughs> and then we have this illiterate girl, like, just... The complete opposite, There's no, yeah. like, walkie-talkie furniture. Like, what's... Like, what's the connection besides family? <laughs> I don't get it. That, that is true. That is true. I mean, yeah, when you think deeper about it, it's not really Beauty and the Beast. But, I mean, it did get me into it because mm -hmm. it was supposedly. And, you know, even if it wasn't Beauty and the Beast, it still kind of had that kind of a vibe, you know, the curse and the yeah. beast as in Tamlin or whatever. So, yeah. But, yeah, it surprised me that Farrah didn't know how to read. And that was another thing mm -hmm. that just bugged me, that, like, none of her sisters ever taught to teach her. So that was another thing that I was just like, what? What the hell? Okay, let's move on, I guess, to Tam Tam and the whole wolf killing situation and right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm a big animal lover. So once, like, she killed the wolf at the beginning, even before we met her family. So that kind of pissed me off. I was like, <laughs> he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there. He, he looked so cute and sweet and you killed him. 
I kind of was like, okay, yeah, you need the food and stuff, but you had the tear, you know, like, but then he, okay, maybe it's a complicated situation. Maybe it's not as black and white, but as an animal lover, I was just so sad. But yeah, I, I get it. Let's say that I get it. Um, and yeah, so, but it was kind of sad that she killed him, even though he didn't attack her. And yeah, when we find out that he was an actual fairy and that she broke this law, mm-hmm. that was a surprise to me. I, I didn't expect it because in her head, she kind of convinced herself that it wasn't a fairy. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, at, th- at that point, I was like, oh, maybe he really wasn't. But that was like me being naive, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, the wolf was kind of acting like it could like think and he wasn't acting like a real wolf for me like it kind of got that maybe there's something else behind it the way like yeah Pharaoh was thinking about it like even if it is a fairy like fuck it like fuck them i will still kill it like i'll do something good for the world if it turns out to right be she had those thoughts yeah yeah i forgot about that mm-hmm. yeah i forgot about it. she really did she really did hate the fairies yeah. like she really did and that's also interesting to me because you know, I know there's history there and everything, but hating something that you don't even know or understand, yeah, that's so foreign to me. I could never, you know, but I I understand that she was in that place in her life. And well, yeah, when Tamlin, by the way, when Tamlin walked into that house, yeah, that was kind of scary. And I was mm-hmm. also, again, proud of Farah, how she stood up and she, you know, stood in front of her sisters, decided to protect them, to fend Tamlin off or whatever. And yeah, that was another brave act. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really did enjoy this aspect of Feyre. Like, even despite how horrible her family was to her at times, she just truly wanted to do everything to make sure they were okay and had a nice life, which is just really selfless of her. Yep, very true. Okay, so now that we've said how much we love Feyre, what are our thoughts of Emlyn? Like, of course, we first meet him he's a huge beast he blows the door down but then actually he turns out to be really reasonable like his close friend is dead this little girl murdered his friend in cold blood basically but he still offers her a solution that is basically good for all of them and he basically saves her and her family and lets her go into this world which you know, she, like, she killed his friend. So that's, like, basically the best situation she could have gotten out of that. Right? So, exactly. yeah. So actually, I do think that he was... Like, yeah, there were motives behind what he did and why he did it. But basically, like, as I was reading it, like, not knowing what happens further in this book, I was like, he truly is not choosing to be cruel to her. He's not choosing to fuck her life up. He's actually, like, trying his best to make the situation good for everybody, even though his friend is dead. So I was, like, getting quite a good impression of him. Same. Same here. I, uh, I remember, you know, since I knew it was kind of, like I said before, the Beauty and the Beast, I knew that he was the probable love interest, Mm -hmm. right? So I was kind of worried that he was going to drag her there and lock her in a basement and, you know, turn her into a slave or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just afraid because I don't, you know, I love an enemies to lovers arc, but sometimes I feel like those arcs can get, can go too far, you know, yeah. where you're like, how do we get back from there? <laughs> you know, like if you turn someone into your slave and ter- lock them in the basement, that's not sexy. That's not romantic to no, me. No, So I was kind of, you know, that's a little, a step too yeah. far <laughs> for me. So I was scared of that and I was super glad. I mean, I kind of knew that it probably won't go that way. I kind of knew. But still, I was worried. 
Um, so yeah, when it turned out that he like gave her a cute little room, uh, he offered her clothing, food. Um, he was just super nice to her, not aggressive. He left her like ha to have her space, yeah, even like a personal servant or whatever, someone to help her out and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was surprised and I really liked him a lot. Plus, I just kind of imagined him as super sexy, you know, the blonde yeah. hair and the green eyes. I mean, I prefer, you know, dark guys, but there's something about, you know, fairies that are blonde. <laughs> I don't know. It just reminds me of Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I love him, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We really just got like this first impression of him where he truly just wanted Feyre to like live out the rest of her life the way she wants to. And he didn't like really react in any sort of way that he could have had the right to react way harsher towards like the murderer of his friend, a part of his court. But like he chose to let her do whatever she wanted, have a hobby, take care of her family. So I actually like thought that this is like really nice and... Also, like, how do you feel about how Feyre behaved towards him, like, at this point where she, like, first got to the spring court? I know what mm -hmm. you mean. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I was rolling my eyes half of the time because, like I said, I don't understand hating a whole race or people without, you know, understanding mm -hmm. them or knowing their situation. And that's what felt like with Feyre. You know, she never got personally wronged by these people. You know, she didn't really know. You know, I, I understand having judgments mm -hmm. and uh, predispositions or whatever. But once the guy literally lets you have your own room, your own space, your own clothes, tells you you can go wherever you want. Like, you don't have to trust him, yeah. but you don't have to be like so super rude all the time. You know, there's like a level at the beginning. Sure. But I feel like it got a little bit dragged as well. And also when he offered her to teach her how to write and read. And she was just super aggressive about it. And yes. I was like, girl, this is a good thing. Don't you want to learn? Like, it, it's a good thing for you. You're, it allows you to have a certain type of freedom if you understand, you know, words, I guess, if you can read them. So I didn't get her um, anger. Absolutely. He was trying to be nice to her all over and over again and try to offer her like whatever she wanted. Basically, she wanted to learn to read. Awesome. I can teach you. And then he just got attacked. So I don't get why Feyre was like this aggressive and defensive towards him in a situation where I don't feel like this was deserved. And yeah, like I get it. Like she comes from a world that for generations and generations of humans believed that those creatures, like they didn't even like really think of them as like fellow like people who could like think and emphasize i don't think so they like just thought of them as monsters who can like murder you and they don't like behave or think in the same way so like like i get why humans would have those preconceived notions and those judgments of fairies but in this situation Feyre was 100% in the wrong because she murdered someone right so yeah not, let's not forget about that little fact, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, you have Timeblink, who's like, you, like, literally murdered, like, a part of my court, but I will, like, be so, like, welcoming towards you. Like, I'll teach you to read and, like, give you, like, all those pains, like, literally do whatever you want. Like, Feyre, like, please, Feyre, like, have a good time, Feyre. Go wherever you want, Feyre. And Feyre is like, fuck off. And that was, like, so strange to me. <laughs> me too. Me too. I was, I was annoyed. Um, you can understand her to a certain level, but then, I don't mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's like excusing her 
and at a certain part. And I feel like this is the author's fault a little bit because some authors, they can like present these situations really well. They give the character a background in which you really understand that regardless if you can see the situation in a rational way and see that the person's really trying to help, you still have that personal experience, I guess, in the back of your mind that's stopping you like a personal trauma or something but Farah didn't have that it was just kind of like generational yeah which is also you know it's also meaningful and important but I feel like it's still a little bit different it still doesn't allow you to understand her as much as it would if something like happened to her personally I guess um you know because if a fairy for example really attacked her in in the past then you would get you know why yeah. she's being mean like you would get it completely it's like trauma you can't go past that that past at least yeah, that was something that was missing, like a really like deeper understanding of character motivations. Like even though we were what? in Ferris's head, all of those books, the first trilogy is from Ferris's point of view. So you would Nothing. think we would like truly deeply understand what Ferris is thinking and feeling and what's like causing her to react in certain ways. But I feel like some of that was like missed, especially in the first book, because each time at the beginning, she got, like, really defensive towards Tamling. Sort of came out of nowhere. Like, I could not get, like, her thought process that led her towards reacting in that way towards someone who, like, truly was just being nice in that moment. Yep, I completely agree. Now, let's hop on to Lucian. Right. Okay, so Lucian is... I found him to be very charismatic at the beginning. And- you know, he was joking all the time. He was snarky. He was just like, you know, the kind of character I guess I like. I love the fact that he was challenging her and Tamlin. And once we realized that she killed, like you said, the part of their court, you also understood his kind of um, semi-hate towards her, you could say. So yeah, I liked Lucian in the beginning. And it seemed like him and Tamlin had this really cute relationship. Yeah, like he was kind of like Tamlin's weak man a little bit, so... Ah, Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have to, I have to... I'm sorry if if I'm interrupting you. But I have to read you something that I found hilarious. So, I mean, since, like we said, this is spoilers for book one. So I'm allowed to say this. We're not going, like, straight from the first chapter to the last one. So I'm just going to say it straight out. We know about the curse and everything. Uh-huh. Um, and we know that Tamlin was re- literally trying to wow her and, I guess, make her fall in yeah. love with him. But at the beginning, we didn't know that. So certain conversations were very odd. Yeah. Because Tamlin wasn't just nice to her. It felt like he wanted to spend time with her. You know, the first time that she left her room and she wanted to wander around, he stopped her and he wanted to go with her. And I was like, what is with this dude? I get that he like allows her to live there, but why would he want to hang out with her? Yeah. I was so confused. So there there was this one conversation that also really confused me. And I literally laughed so hard, I cried. Okay, listen to this. They watched me too closely to be casual. Tamlin straightened a bit and said, you look better than before. Was that a compliment? I could have sworn Lucian gave Tamlin an encouraging nod. And your hair is clean. Perhaps it was my raging hunger making me hallucinate the piss-poor attempt at complimenting me, etc, etc. But I died there when he said, your hair looks clean. I didn't understand what was going on. This confused me. And there was another situation where they were asking her. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. This is so funny to me. They were like asking her um, about the men, the human men in her life, if she had any. And she was like, there was this one boy or whatever that they were like, I don't know if she said they were intimate, but that they had a thing or whatever. And Lucian and Tamlin were like, "Um, did you love him? And she was like, no. And then they were like, was he handsome? And 
And Farah was like, so wait, you brought me here because you wanted to know if you're more handsome than the human guys? Like, what the hell is going on? That was hilarious to me. Yeah. That was so hilarious. Yeah, yeah and okay, at this point we didn't know, but this is truly yeah. like 500 year old theories, right? And like, the first thing they do is just like gossip about cute guys. I was like, are you guys... Yeah. <laughs> like, don't you have like countries to run or something? Like, why are we yeah, talking about that? <laughs> I, I died yeah. there. I'm not kidding. I think I even texted you and you weren't reading the book at that point. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know what I was talking about. But I was just telling you like how, how much of a hard laugh I'm having. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they were... I mean, when, when you realize what they were trying to do, you understand. But at that point, when you don't know, I just... I, I really didn't... I, I remember having theories, but I didn't think of a curse, Not which one. is stupid, but I didn't. I, I didn't think of it at all, honestly. I was I just knew that something was fishy. Something was being very strange there. True. Like, yeah, that's like one thing about the beginning of this book that I also didn't love is that, yeah, we basically go into this whole new magical world. We go beyond this wall and then we meet like three people and don't like really know a lot about like how this world works we don't meet any other characters we like go like on little walks in the forest and that's basically it and i kind of like truly wanted for everything to be a little bit more built out like i do get this is basically the first book like the author probably like really wanted that foundation and she wanted to like add more stuff in later and also like with the plot like what we find out later we like realize why there weren't many people there and why you know the world is the way it is but like that's what i found a little bit boring about the beginning like you get like this whole premise of like this wonderful new world with fairies and then you meet two guys and that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, 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 so you basically wanted a little bit more world building right absolutely like you know this like whole exciting universe and the whole time you spend in like a little house with like two people <laughs> like, you wanted something else to happen i get that yeah. That that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I honestly, when I read it, I didn't think much of it and it didn't bug me. I actually liked that it was as simple. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I was curious about the other courts and I really hoped that they would eventually yep. go there. Um, but I don't know. I kind of liked uh, just being in that house, you know, in spring court. I just imagined it very springy, you know, simple. And also I love the like um, creepy, um, weird fairies in the woods. Um, I loved the surreal. I mean, oh my gosh, the surreal was so cute and fun. Um, it was so funny that like, People kept saying, you know, how hard it is to catch it. And then Farah just like caught it and they became I, friends or yeah. something. I don't know. Like he was just like the guy next door, the cool guy next door. I don't know. Um, and yeah. And I loved how he gave her the answers that she kind of wanted. And um, when she got attacked, I felt like that whole situation was really fun and um, interesting. And I loved how, uh, you know, Tamlin saved her. And and how Lucian didn't save her. You know, I didn't want Lucian to be the one that saved her. I wanted Tamlin to get there and just be all hot and bothered and just help her out. So, yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the surreal? Like, one of my favorite things about those books are absolutely, like, the weirder fairies and, like, all these fairy tale creatures. One of them being the surreal. I absolutely love how we got the build-up that this is, like, such a 
dangerous ancient being that you really like need to trap and then be like so careful that it doesn't like still like murder you and now like you actually meet him and he's basically like just here to gossip and like <laughs> some tea and like get a new coat well then choose dan humphrey dan humphrey guys okay <laughs> if you know you know right <laughs> yeah so i actually like <laughs> really enjoyed this sort of build up of expectations and what we actually got and like i just like totally got attached to like all of those creatures in this sort of universe that we got to meet i know mm -hmm. it was it was cute <laughs> and let's talk like a little bit about the cute moments between tamlin and Farah in this book um i really appreciated for example the starlight pool um, I think that was their first scene when they got kind of like, I don't remember if it was their first scene, but I think it was when they got kind of like, you know, she got a little bit self-conscious because they had to take their clothes off and she didn't know if she wanted to. And I remember her checking him out. So I was like, oh, it's happening. That's nice, you know. And I really loved their conversation there because she basically opened up to him. You know, they talked about her life in the cabin, how she had to, yeah. you know help her sisters and her family to survive and he just listened to her and I remember her thinking how you know she told him this because she really thought that he wanted to hear it he wasn't just asking for the sake of asking he really wanted to understand that no so I thought that was a cute little detail and yeah I really thought they were cute and then the, that night when they had like that dance around the campfire yeah. I don't remember it exactly but I think that he um he played an instrument I forgot what it was and that was also so cute and I remember this line where he just said dance Farah dance and then she was like and so I did and it was so cute and they danced the whole night away and then their first like that really cute kiss happened and I don't know I felt their love I mean their love their relationship was just so tender and sweet you know it wasn't like that passion and danger and you know that we normally i suppose like in books okay. and tv shows it was very more like tender and mysterious and cute yeah cute and i really appreciated that because usually i'm more for the you know badass but tamlin was just always so nice he never he wasn't the bad boy you know yeah and i still really really liked him as a love interest yeah, it was kind of like what Feyre really needed in that moment. So like she, yes, exactly. Yeah, she had truly a hard life where she could like really relax and do anything for herself. Like her sisters wouldn't let her have anything for herself, right? So that's so sad. Yeah, yeah, that was basically the first time in her life where she could just like actually relax, actually like go dancing, actually like live for herself. And there were so many moments where she was like. Like, truly understanding that she can just, like, do that. Like, I remember her feeling, yeah. like, so much guilt. Like, even, like, knowing that her family is well taken care of. But she was still, like, oh, wait, I can just, like, go paint. And that's it. So that was, like, actually, like, really, really nice that, like, Tamling was, like, that person for her to, like, be there for her in those sort of moments yeah. so it was like truly like and what not, she needed not, yeah and sorry i'm interrupting again just but not it. just be there for her but also just like protect her mm -hmm. she finally had someone to protect her and i remember thinking at a certain point that he felt a little bit possessive and controlling just because you know he wouldn't let her go anywhere and stuff and regardless of thinking that i still understood you know this was still a strange new world mm -hmm. to her she was still human definitely capable of protecting herself but also, I just kind of got, 
I understood him, let's just say that. Um, and regardless of that, I just felt like in this time of her life, she needed someone that was just going to protect her no matter what. Yeah. And that was that extra with her. It might not be like a good thing in normal life and in normal circumstance. But in her circumstance, it was good. You know what I mean? So like you said, it w he was the right person for her at that time, for sure. Yeah, sure. We're just like, we're not even halfway through, oh, no. I think. But like, let's keep going. <laughs> um, and since we're just talking about the cute tender moments between them, I have to add one more right. because this is my absolute favorite. And I'm actually going to read from the book mm -hmm. like I did before mm -hmm. because it's so cute. Okay, so basically Tamlin says, I've had many lovers, he admitted. Females of noble birth, warriors, princesses. Rage hit me low and deep in the gut at the thought of them, rage at their titles, their undoubtedly good looks, at their closeness to him. But they never understood what it was like, what it is like for me to care for my people, my lands. What scars are still there, what the bad days feel like. The wrathful jealousy faded away like morning dew as he smiled at my painting. This reminds me of it. Of what? I breathed. He lowered the painting, looking right at me, right into me, that I'm not alone. I didn't lock my bedroom door that night. Oh, I I don't know. I mean, this this scene right there, it was so sad because I feel like we did we don't know much of Tamlin, and this kind of what he said here just told me that he's a really lonely and sad guy. I don't know. I, I remember what we know of his backstory is that he had a really brutal father, um, that he kept slaves and that in the war he was on the bad side, I guess, mm -hmm. on the side that wanted to keep slaves and, you know, treat people like shit. Um, and he never agreed with that. Mm -hmm. But growing up like that and with siblings that always try and want to kill you and always trying to fight and survive. And he also mentioned that he didn't even want to be a high lord. He was kind of forced into that situation. I don't know. That sounds like a really shitty existence. And let's not talk about the fact that he's over 500 years old. You know what Farah went through? It, she's 20. So like it's also too, it's awful that she had to go through all of that as a child. But imagine going through all of that shit and keeping that trauma with you for 500 years. I don't know. And this kind of scene when he said that it broke me. And the fact that he chose the painting... I remember her saying about this painting that it's very kind of like, um, I don't know, I don't remember the exact words, but kind of too sad for the spring court because the spring court, it's supposed to be cheerful and bright and everything. And the painting is just very, you know, gray and sad. And he was like, you know, that's exactly what I'm like. That's exactly what he told her, you know, that's me. That's who I am. I'm just surrounded by pretty flowers. But in reality, I'm just very, very dark and yeah, negative pretty much. He was. He was. Okay. Um another thing let's that's we should talk about and I know you have opinions about this too. Hey. Um the Kalan Mai. I have no idea if it's pronounced the right way. Um but you know that's the ceremony in the cave. Yeah. He had to restore magic by having sex with this random fairy that he chooses amongst the fairies in that forest in that at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember being annoyed, and I know you were annoyed yeah. too, um, that no one told her what what was going to happen. And then they were like so angry at her for leaving her room. Remember? And I was just like, you, you never, like you could have just told her about the ceremony and that it's dangerous for her and she would have stayed put, I think. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, we do find out and I like had my um, suspicions 
that there was probably like some sort of super magic reason why they're not telling her anything about anything. Because yeah, for like okay. in like fairyland, like I'm sure there's something deeper behind like how secretive and cagey they're all being towards her. But even having said that, we know about like the curse now, if we finished reading, but there was nothing about this curse that would specifically stop them from talking about Kalamai. And that was like just something I don't understand the logic of. Like, what would what were they thinking would happen if, you know, Tamling, Lucian, Alice, everyone was just like, yeah, it's dangerous. Don't go there. And she was like, why it's dangerous? <laughs> the truth is, stay in your room. Like, of course that's not going to work. Right? Like, but to be fair, huh? they probably did, they did tell her it was dangerous. I mean, that part they did say. They didn't say, they didn't specify why, right? Exactly. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I do think they like, Basically just said, don't go there, like, you're not supposed to go there because it's dangerous. I think they said dangerous, but there was no actual evidence of why it's dangerous. And that's why, like, I absolutely feel Farah's side or whatever in that moment. Because, again, like, Farah is a hunter. She survived in the woods alone since she was, like, a 14-year-old. Like, if you just, like, tell her, like, don't go into those woods, there's some danger in there. Like, I understand why she would be like, screw it, I survived that far, and you're not telling me anything. I will go and check it out. And then they, like, had the nerve to, like, really, like, get mad at her. I remember Lucien was like, what? No one told you? Yeah, none of you told her. Why are you mad at her? But you're the ones who didn't communicate with her. That was so, like, frustrating to me. Because, yeah, they could have just said that, you know, there'll be, like, a lot of fairies that will genuinely, like, want to murder her. Or, like, you know, if a human goes there, like, they could have given her, like, actual reasons why she should stay in her room besides vague whatever. That uh, Obviously, a 19-year-old isn't going to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was annoying mm-hmm. to me, too. Because, like, yeah, for, for other things, we understand why I didn't tell her, but... Cal and Mai, it wasn't that big of a deal. If they told her, no one would get hurt. She would just know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there was also another thing. It, she was kind of being magically pulled to that mm-hmm. place. So I think that she would still go there regardless. But that's a story for oh, another yeah. day because... Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that she went because it was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very awkward once I realized that Tamlin was going to have sex with her random fairy. And I was annoyed, actually, because, yeah. you know, I wanted them together and it was just gross. So I kind of, I'm maybe I understood Tamlin at that point because I was like, maybe he didn't want to tell her that, you know, that he was going to have sex with someone else, especially because he was trying to make her fall in love with him. So that's kind of gross, you know, I'm going to go in a cave and have sex with someone else because I'm supposed to because of this weird ritual thing and whatever. I guess he felt awkward. And we all know that Tamlin is definitely awkward. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, if a guy gives you a compliment that your hair looks clean, you know that he's awkward. You know, he's not smooth. So I, I can imagine him feeling a little bit embarrassed in a sense. Um, But Lucian, yeah, Lucian could have told her. And Lucian, I mean, I remember he was like, no one told you? And I was like, geez, dude, who would have told her? I mean, you know Tamlin, like, who else would have told her? Exactly. Don't, don't. Like, Lucian was, like, pissed off at Feyre at, like, a couple of moments throughout this book where I thought that was absolutely uncalled for. 
Because, sure, you have the curse preventing from telling Feyre everything that's going on. Sure, yeah, like, physically you cannot tell her. But then, like, Lucian at times was just like, I can't believe you did this, like, don't you, like, know what will happen? If you do that, like, of course she doesn't. Oh my None God. of you tell her anything. She can't read the minds. She, yeah, exactly. She's not. I mean, if she was a fairy, maybe she could, but she's not. So shut yes. the fuck up. Oh, jeez, that was that was frustrating. Yeah. But okay, let's not skip the part where we meet a certain someone in the woods, bitches. Okay, <laughs> we meet this mysterious man <laughs> who she um says is the most beautiful man she has ever seen, and honestly. I was I was impressed by that. I was like, okay, we all love uh, the most beautiful man trope. Okay, we love that. But um, I was also annoyed for Tamlin because, like, at this point, I was a Tamlin shipper. You know, I wanted them to be together, and I didn't like the fact that she looked at this random stranger yeah. and thought that. I was like, no, Tamlin is the most beautiful man. We're, I mean, okay, let's not forget about the fact that we can't see Tamlin's face yet because of the stupid mask that he has. Um, completely, but still, I was annoyed at that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in general, I really liked this mysterious stranger. He intrigued me. Um, I liked how he kind of saved her, rescued her. Um, I was surprised that he didn't like, uh, that he wasn't poking it to, in her, like, that he wasn't poking her a bit more, you know, about who she is. She, he was very, you know, he was supposed to be, like, represented as this bad boy, but he was very respected, you know, he kind of helped her out. He asked her what she was doing there. And when he noticed she wasn't going to say anything, he just left her. And he was like, okay, well, you know, take care. So that was kind of surprising, you know, because if he was this evil guy, why didn't he, you know, I don't know, do something. Or I don't know. He, let's just say, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that he intrigued me. Because, yeah, he was this mystery man, bad boy vibes, but kind of like still kind of nice. You know, he helped her out. Okay, interesting that you have that opinion and that you've had it from the very start because as I was like reading through their first encounter let's say first of all I rolled eyes hard at the most beautiful man she's ever seen like I was just like oh come on like yeah you've seen like <laughs> four people in your village like you know so of course <laughs> you're gonna think that I mean, by her standards, by her standards, okay? <laughs> yeah, so that was just like a bit too cheesy for me. And yeah, like I got that in this situation. Like he like came in, he was the hero and like pushed those guys away, like saved her. But like I sort of from the beginning got the feeling that there was some ulterior motive of why he's doing this. Like I didn't think that he was just like saw a girl in trouble and just out of the goodness of his heart decided to step in like I thought of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. like there was like either like he wanted a favor like we're in fairyland remember like everyone has those favors everyone owes someone something so I thought like either he wants to like get a favor from Tamlin or from her or he wants to like find something out like he wants to like gather some information for some reason like, I sort of, like, got this kind of shady feeling from him. Like, there's, like, no way. He's just, like, nice and just, like, wanted to be nice. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah, maybe maybe I didn't express myself well enough. I guess what I was trying to say, I did get a feeling like that as well. 
But when he just left and he didn't say anything, he didn't ask for any favors, he didn't like push. I was like, okay, well, I mean, we're probably going to see more of him yeah. and it's probably going to get a lot more complicated, definitely. But at that point, I was like, okay, well, cute. You know, he helped her out, at least that. I don't know. Um, so, but I was intrigued by mm-hmm. him in general because I knew that there was more to him than just this pretty face or this bad boy sure. thing yeah. or whatever. And I also really kind of um, like that line when he says, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you um, because of um, reasons, <laughs> which will not discuss right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and let's move on to the post Kellen Mai thing when she runs into Tamlin in the hallway and he gets all aggro sexy with her. And let's just say that I, I, I like that. I felt the heat, okay? <laughs> I felt the heat. And I know Farrah was like, get away from me or whatever. But she was like, no, please stay. No, please don't go away. <laughs> so I really liked that. I thought Tamlin was super hot there. And yeah, how he... I, I always like it when men really like the female protagonist. You know, and they're like, do you dare? I went after you. You know, it was like super okay. Animalistic <laughs> and hot. So I really, I really liked that encounter. It was fun. Okay, yeah, probably the fact that he just had to have had sex with someone else. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Killed the mood. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. that doesn't exist. I'm delusional right mm-hmm. now. I live in my own little delusional bubble, and I don't need to know that. Okay, sure. <laughs> he did not. Yeah. He did not. <laughs> oh, and another thing. I mean, I feel like I'm just trying to get through all the things that happened before she was sent away just so that we can discuss all those and then we can go to the part where she sent away and oh, yeah. everything that happens after, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, another thing that I've also liked in that time was, I mean, I didn't like it when the blue fairy, you know, died when um, oh my God. they found that fairy dying yeah. and they took him in and they wanted to help him and Pharaoh was holding his hand and she said something among the lines of, you know, holding him hand because she doesn't want him to die alone yeah. or something like that. And I really felt that that was really sad. And I also really liked how kind Tamlin was. I think he said a prayer for him and then he told her to go and that he'll bury him. And yeah, that was just a such like a sad moment, but also a deep, meaningful moment between Tamlin and Farah. you know, that they shared that. So I like that being there. And I was also more intrigued about, you know, who was this guy? Why did he die? You know, what mm-hmm. happened? And mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, at that point, we sort of, get a little bit of an explanation that something is something bad is happening in the land but which really like don't get more of an explanation than that so that was definitely something that i truly wanted to find out more about and yeah, yeah that was also like a moment where we can see Feyre's character growth because right she started as someone who just like thought about fairies as evil irredeemable monsters but then here she is like holding this fairy's hand so that he doesn't have to die alone and like we just like can like truly see that she like won't hold on to like her old beliefs now that she is finding out more more about this world and that she's truly like a kind person yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i agree um and then i don't know i mean we probably skipped a lot, but, you know, we're not going to talk about everything. Um, so I guess let's talk about when they're having um, they're having dinner or lunch or something. 
And that was also a funny moment, by the way, in that moment when Lucian was like noticing her hickey on her neck. And, you know, where did you get that? And she basically just was so proud of it. <laughs> it was funny. And I feel like in that lunch, Raisant came on the, you yeah. know, charming, yeah. mystery, beautiful guy. And, you know, Farah was hidden and everything. And it was so surprising to me how scared everyone was of him. I was like, what is this guy, a demon? You know, like, what powers does he have that everyone's running scared? So that really intrigued me too. And yeah, when he noticed her and when he made them all kneel and stuff, I was like, this guy is a bitch. What is wrong with him? You know, why is he making them kneel? Like, he's super... I mean, I still knew that there was more to him and everything, but that really bugged me. Um, And then after that, Stamlin pretty much sent Feyre away because he wanted to keep her safe. True, yeah. And Feyre was like a really quick thinker giving a different name to like this evil evil stranger, right? What do you mean? But like oh, right, yeah. was like controlling their minds and, her... and she was like, yeah. I'm Claire. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That was like that was yeah, good that she didn't give him his real name because later on we find out that Claire's whole family died and Claire was kidnapped and tortured by Amaranta. But yeah, I mean it's too bad that she gave like a real person's name. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of sad, but I understand her. She had to think quick. Right. So, yeah, um, I get that. But yeah, I also thought, you know, once we realized that there was a curse and that all that needed to happen was for Farah to tell Tamlin, I love you, Mm -hmm. and the curse would have been broken, I just thought how selfless Tamlin was. Like, seriously, you could have just kept her for a day more and maybe she would say, I love you too or something. Because at that point when he sent her away in the carriage, yeah. he said to her, I love you. And sadly, she, did, she didn't say it back even though she did think it. So I was really, I was even more frustrated yeah. at that. Um, but I understand she wasn't ready and she didn't know what was going on. So I don't blame her. But I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, Tamlin, like, kudos to you, you know. He wanted, he, like, he... he prioritized her safety over their survival you know that's how much he cares yeah that like really shows that this love isn't fake it's not just because of the yeah. curse like he doesn't like give a shit about this curse at this point yeah wants... yeah maybe it pushed them into the situation yeah, you know yeah. um she wouldn't have been there if it weren't for the curse mm-hmm. because he did need her but it did really develop and it did really happen it was a thing it wasn't fake so yeah. Yeah, and I feel like if it was, I think the curse, I mean, if, for example, if it was fake and she just said it for the sake of it, I don't think the curse would have worked. It's probably like, I don't know, it can probably feel the honesty or something. I don't know. It's magic. Yeah. What do I know? But yeah. Yeah, we're in a fairy tale. We have like all this magic curses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like all these like trials she has to go through. That I just really enjoyed <laughs> this part of the story so much. Yep. And like... You know, Amaranta being the evil bitch she yeah. is. I mean, she basically cursed the whole. I mean, if you, I mean you know this, if listener, if you've um, read the book, well. which you probably did, otherwise you wouldn't be listening. But yeah, she basically cursed all the courts. And if he found someone who would tell him he loved him, uh, not just someone like a human with a heart full of hate for fairies. Yeah. Um, because Amaranta, she had kind of like a personal. Uh, she, she, her sister was killed by a human, yeah. so she hated humans, um, really, really hated them, tortured them, everything, mm-hmm. and she wanted to, you know, win, like, make them into the, her slaves and whatever, so she even, so yeah, she turned the whole, the courts um, to her own personal slaves in a way, but Tamlin's court was the only one that stayed 
put because she gave them the chance to break the curse, I guess, because she liked playing games. That was who she was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so anyway, Tamlin sent Farah away and she went to her house, to her home with Ness. I mean, not just her house. She went to a new house. Anya, let's talk about that. Where did she go? She went to a beautiful manor that Tamlin just somehow... Actually, I do want to think about that. Like, how did Tamlin have access to human money and <laughs> housing and was just like able to like give them everything like did we like get that ever explained i don't think so i mean i don't think i don't think he gave them the house he just um he kind of i think um no you know farah's father he lost his money when he sent it like on a ship yeah. and that ship got lost at sea mm -hmm. but he kind of sent someone to their home and that someone told them that the ship actually didn't get lost at the end or something like that and that it was found and that he's even richer than he was before. So yeah, he gave them the money and then they bought the house themselves. But I think that in Prisian, they probably have... They don't have... I mean, this is the same continent. They probably have the same... Um, they probably have the same currency. So And he's rich af, you know? He's like old and rich and the lord. So he probably... Or they just like... like gold and like precious jewels so yeah, yeah probably exactly could, like, like just like shipped a bunch of gold to them exactly <laughs> just precious jewels and gold uh -huh. and well that yeah. that yeah and that's what he did and they were rich again well they were even richer than they were before they lived in this big house in a manor and yeah Farah got there and she realized how much Tamlin has helped her family and that when she worried oh, in the you know, spring court about their safety and who's gonna provide for them then and he told her not to worry that they're taken care of you know, that was an understatement, people. Like, they weren't just taken care of. They were, like, proper, like, I don't know, proper rich now. Rich. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, everyone is happy to see her, I guess. A bit shocked. I mean, no, they, they thought she was living. It, he even sold them a fake story that she was living mm -hmm. with her aunt, uh, helping her because she was sick. And then the aunt died and she yeah. came back. And, yeah, Elaine and her dad were super excited. While Nesta... Nesta's a different story because it turns out that the glamour didn't work on her um, because he Tamlin glamoured them when he left, you know, that nothing happened and told them about the fake story. Um, but it didn't work on Nesta. So she remembered everything, which was impressive, we could say. And I, I honestly, let me tell you my theory at this point. Um, so okay. let's pretend I didn't read the books, um, the other books. At this point, my okay. theory is... That Nesta is actually part Fae. And that, um, oh. yeah, that her, because we all heard about her mom too, that her mom was very cold and that she resembled Nesta in a lot of ways and she was kind of this mysterious figure. And I just thought, okay, well, what if Nesta, yeah, she she's not her father's daughter. What if she's part Fae? And this is why the glamour didn't work on her. I thought there was more to it. And also the fact that Nesta was the closest to her mother, you know, I thought there was a reason for that. Um, I really honestly thought a lot more of the mother and that the mother's plot was going to be important in future books. Anyways, it didn't work on Nesta and um, she was traumatized by it. And then she actually went back to help Feyre, save her, to rescue her. What did you think of that? That was a nice little redemption moment for her. Right? Yeah. yeah, I just sort of thought that she was just like very strong-willed and had like a powerful mind. And that's why the glamour... Did I like hold on her? 
right? So I didn't like think further on it. Um, yeah, I was just like sort of impressed that she's just like really was able to <laughs> break through it, but thought like people could maybe do that. And yeah, like, I was so happy with the way Nesta reacted to like finding everything out. Because yeah, but at that point, like we just like know of like the um, nesting like is just like like really ungrateful, like really like sort of delusional about how bad their situation is, about how they're treating Feyre. So I was like really like expecting like Nesta and like they hate fairies, right? So I was like truly expecting Nesta to like be so judgmental towards Feyre and to like hate her or react negatively. Mm-hmm. So. I was really happy to get that moment where she just encouraged her to basically go and like save her her true love. Wow, I was really surprised by that too. I was positively surprised. I really, like you said, I thought she was definitely gonna judge her for falling in love with a fae. Um, so that mm-hmm. surprised me there a lot, and that's when I realized that there's more to her than just this snarky bitch ass sister. Um, I also loved when she said that she went after her, that she went to save her, and that she broke it off with that oh like a boy. And she was like, when Farah asked her, why did you break it off with him? And she was like, he wouldn't come with me. And I was like, that's such a good, you know, he didn't want to come save her sister. So why would she be with the yes. disloyal man? So that was such a good moment for her. And um, I loved how after that, uh, she asked Farah to teach her how to paint. I thought that was super cute and sweet. And she mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with Elaine and the gardens. And it really felt like they were bonding and just... Yeah, it was such a positive environment at that time. I was so, so happy for Farah that she got that time with her sisters. And yeah, but it was, of course, it wasn't that long. It was short. She had to go back eventually when she realized some things. And do you remember why she went back? I remember them having dinner and there was someone, something said. And Farah was like, something just rang in her, uh, rang bells in her head. And she was like, okay, I have to go. But I don't remember. Yeah, remember Claire? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Remember? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Something like happened to like a village girl from like where they were like living previously in that shack and like what? What was that family? Better, right? Like Claire and Claire was just like, oh shit. Oh, that cannot be a coincidence. Yeah. Oh yeah. Need to leave right now. Yep. 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 And I loved how at that moment when she said that, um, Nesta kind of shushed her father and Elaine because they were obviously clueless. And she was like, what do you need from me? And that's all she said. You know, just what do you need? What? How can I help you? And I love that. I don't know. Question that. Just ride or die. And I love a ride or die bitch. I love it. So... And it was a long time coming. Oh my god! Like, should have started doing this like years ago when Pharaoh yeah. was basically providing I mean, for you. You but... could, you could, I don't know, argue that they were dealing with it in their own way with the trauma of losing everything, of people not being yeah. there for you, the people who you thought were your friends. And Pharaoh, yes, she was younger. She didn't understand what she lost, but Nesta did. She was older. She had all the riches. She mattered. She was someone. And then she lost that. And that must, and for someone with a high ego, that must have hurt. And I'm not excusing her by any means, but that's mm-hmm. how she responded to it. And no one's perfect, I suppose. But as the older, yeah, it was really like sort of on her to 
take control of that situation and that responsibility. Like, of course, it's horrible, but as the older sister, like, you know, like, you have, like, two sisters who are younger, who are more vulnerable. And, you know, yeah, she really should have come around sooner and have started doing more, having more responsibility for them sooner, but... You know, I'm just glad that at this point she came around. Maybe it, like, helped that she had a nice house again, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, before before we go um, to the part where Feyre ran back to Prisian and everything, I just want to add a little, a, another comment about Nesta, and then we'll switch, move on. We'll say move on. Um, yeah, what I also didn't like was that she was all of those things for Elaine. She was the bigger sister for Elaine. She was there for her. She protected her. She guarded her. Yes. And for with Fair, she wasn't. I was like, why? Why such big love for one sister and the other is like shit to you? I don't get it. I really thought that Farah maybe did something to her as a child, or if I wanted a reason, like a legit reason for why she disliked Farah as much, but we didn't get it. So okay, no, it was like she was sort of delusional about just how much Feyre is doing for them. It was sort of like she was just like thinking that the money and the food that they got just like fell out of the sky or something with the way she, that Feyre was treated. So Yeah, I don't know. She was delusional. Yeah, it was like fuck. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, let's move on. Um, Feyre, well, she basically runs away to Pritian again and she, well, not again, but she goes there willingly this time. And um, she realizes that Tamlin's whole estate is... Oh my gosh. Again. Sorry, guys. Another thing. Wasn't the, that part funny when Farah realized that she wasn't alone in the house? When the fairies, the fae, they were all like masked. They were invisible. And every single time that she wanted to run away, they actually saw her. And they probably laughed around her ba- behind her back. And Alice, she looked like... I don't know. I don't remember how they described her later on. But she looked like she was a different type of fairy. She had like green skin or something. Yeah. And Farah never saw her. And when she saw her for who she was the first time... She was so shocked and she was like, who the hell are you? And she was like, girl, oh, what's yeah. wrong with you? I'm Alice. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. when she runs back to the state, none of these people that she then, you know, understood were actually there are there anymore. It's abandoned. And but but Alice is actually there. Uh, she came back to gather some stuff, equipment. Uh, she has two nephews that she has to take care of. And we get a big, big, big info dump by Alice here. Like, oh my gosh, I think it was two pages long. That was too much. I honestly thought that was oh, yeah. poorly written because I I at least give her time to breathe. She didn't even have any uh, like little, I don't instances in between when Farah would ask her something. She just talked and talked and talked and talked. And I was like, oh my Jesus Christ. That and also the attitude she had towards Farah in that moment was also truly frustrating to me because she was actually so mad that Feyre A returned to Prithian and B left in the first place when she still had like a little like a day or something to save them and Alice was truly like so mad at her as if Feyre like knew what she was doing like that's like what frustrated me about Alice and Lucian in this book because they just like went in and were like pissed off that Feyre for like making 
quite reasonable choices with the information that she had at that point. But they were like, how could she do this? Don't you know what kind of consequences will this have? Obviously she doesn't. You guys aren't telling her anything. So like at this moment when, you know, Alice finally was like allowed to like physically talk about it. First of all, she input up everything. Second of all, she was like, how could she like come back and how could she like leave in the first place? Don't you like know what this means? Of course she doesn't. So like be a nice person and let her know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. She she kind of judged her for things she had no control of. So that that annoyed me too. Um I was glad however that we finally, you know, found out about the curse and yeah. why Tamlin didn't say anything. It was basically because he couldn't. No one could. Really? And they were forbidden to talk about it. Um so yeah, Feyre basically just decides that she's not gonna allow Tamlin to sacrifice himself. And she also kind of feels guilty a little bit that she didn't tell him she loved him, um, which is understandable. Um, so she kind of runs, I mean, she asks Alice to take her under the mountain. Under the mountain is basically the place where Amarantha is keeping everyone. And she kind of designs the place to look like uh, the court, the night court supposedly looks like. Um, they basically live like in a cave system um, under, I don't know, a mountain, I suppose. And yeah, this is called Under the Mountain, like such an original name, whatever. Um, and yeah, Farah goes there without any weapons, without a plan, which is another thing that kind of bugs me. I mean, I guess, I, I, I don't know, I suppose I understand, like... Uh, I love struct fool, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I mean, she's 19. Yeah. It's the love of her yeah. life. Like, she has, like, one chance. Like, of course she's gonna do... Like, she can't, like, really lose time. Like, who knows yeah. what's happening. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, let's not let's not overanalyze it. She just goes there and tries to rescue her. Yeah. Her man. Her meal. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and, um... Oh, God. oh, my gosh. Let's not. Okay, let's not... Okay, guys, just yeah. another, like, thing that Anya and I are really both uh, annoyed by. Sometimes we feel like Sarah J. Mass really repeats certain words too much. For example, like, I mean, not necessarily in this book. I think this book was pretty okay, but in later books, like, for example, male, female, mate, uh, high lady, high, high, whatever. You know, just, mm -hmm. she repeats them too much, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever she wants to make a point, she makes it like twenty-five times exactly. to like make sure we like really get it. Yeah, she and, got it yeah. for the first four times. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you know, good books, you don't need to have things repeated that much. You just feel them. You know, you feel it from mm -hmm. the actions and from what's happening. You don't need the actual words. Mm -hmm. So yeah, okay, but that's the story for another time. Let's leave it for the second and <laughs> yeah. third book and whatever. Okay, um, so yeah, she comes here and of course, literally she walks into that stupid cave or whatever and she's in that moment, <laughs> that second, she gets kidnapped. I mean, she gets caught. So, yeah. like, I don't know, I, f I at least hoped she would last for five minutes. Like, she didn't last for five <laughs> minutes. She w it was a minute, it was a second. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they, she immediately got caught and they took her to Amaranta and um, the, you know, the badass bitch queen. And um, she asked her who she was. Yeah, they realized there immediately that she was the girl that Tamlin was in love with. So what did she ask her at that moment? I, I forget. Did she ask her to um, take part of this trial? And that if she completes all three tasks, right, she can save Tamlin and um, live happily ever after. 
Yeah, we basically just get the feeling that Amarantha is, first of all, super evil. Second of all, just lives for drama and entertainment. So she just wants this human girl to like provide some entertainment for the court and go through all those obviously impossible tasks just to, you know, have some fun. Because at this point, I feel like Amarantha thinks that she won already and that nothing can yeah, like true. stop her. True. But she like she also like gives her this little riddle, remember? Oh my god, that riddle. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I oh I can't with that riddle. It was so simple and so easy. And I remember when Farah, like in later books, I think she brags about it and she was like, I was the one that saved us. Nay, I was the one that uh, that, that solved the riddle. And I was like, girl, that riddle was made for you know, primary school for like little kids. I mean, the solution was so easy. Okay, guys, if you're listening, let us know if you knew the answer to the riddle, you know, if you understood it very fast or you also didn't like think about it or whatever, because I, I got it immediately. I knew the answer immediately. I didn't even read the entire riddle. I was just like, I'm not reading all of this, but the answer <laughs> is love. <laughs> what else could it be? Yeah. Like time or love, yeah. usually. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. That would just like say some like, usual like riddle type nouns just in case something sticks right don't even like listen to the real like she should have just like said some words like i don't know say like bread love but i don't time, think i don't universe, i mean never. i understand her not wanting to do that because like you know what if it's just a one-time thing she has to answer one time. oh was that specified yeah but amaranta like if but that's the problem but that's the problem if amaranta okay. doesn't specify things you, she has to specify them, otherwise there are loopholes yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, anyways, um, she also gives her this riddle, and yeah, if she doesn't, she does know the answer immediately. She can save them all right okay. there, but she didn't. So she gets locked up, and of course, before she gets locked up, she gets beaten. Um, and yeah, she gets taken to her um cell, and um, she also needs to do these little chores. Um, and of course, Rysand is there. By the way, Anya, is it Rysand or Rysand? Fantastic question, Nina. I have no idea. I prefer Rissand, and I also always call him Rissand, actually. I'm just calling him Rissand right now because I, I don't know, in my head I was like, my pronunciation is probably wrong. So, but I don't know. I'm going to yeah. call him Rissand because I like Rissand. And guys, listeners, if you, you know, if you know, let us know who is right. Mm -hmm. Anya says Rissand and I say Rissand, just so that you know, so that you can say Anya is right or Nina is right. Absolutely. I was not paying attention to how I pronounce it. So just a disclaimer, we might say names wrong. Yeah. We might say things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just... Disclaimer by the end of the podcast. No problem. <laughs> okay. So yeah, she gets locked up in that uh, cell. And um, she also, I don't remember, like the first time she gets a chore involving him, she sent into his room, right? And she has to clean his chimney out. And then he walks and into then... the room. And, you know, they have th this little banter. And did he, like... But he... No, he actually, before this happened, he told her that he was going to parade her around. Or what was their deal? Oh, no. No, Anya, the, help me out here. I'm super confused about how things were happening. Okay, 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 okay. So, I think before... Like, when she first gets locked up and... Till the first trial, I don't think like we like really like see Rissan, or I guess like we see that he's there, but I don't think right. they have any contact by that point. 
But then, you know, she has to, like, go and murder a giant worm, and right. she somehow succeeds in that, so you go, Feyre, that was actually, like, really impressive that and badass. Really good. That I enjoyed good. that. Me too, me too. Yeah, yeah. And he was the only one who bet on her. Yes! Oh my gosh, yes, that was so nice. And when, yeah. she, was, when she was battling the worm, Lucian also kind of helped her. I think he called out uh, to her or something, and he told her to, I don't know, dodge left, or I don't know. But I know he helped yeah. her a little bit, and Rysand, yeah, Rysand, whatever, Rysand, he kind of um, bet on her, so that was cute. And after that, um, of course, because the worm was dangerous, she broke her arm or something. Um, it was really yeah, messed she up, was... or she got bitten, I don't remember. Um, and yeah. yeah, her arm was definitely messed what? up, yeah. Yeah, it was. And so she got sent to her mm -hmm. cell, and he came, and he helped her out. I mean, he gave her an offer. He told her that he could heal her arm in exchange for two weeks of her life spent uh, in his castle each month. And of course, she was mm -hmm. against that because she thought, you know, this guy is a monster. Like, I don't want that. But her arm yeah. was hurting. But I really didn't like what Rissant did here. Um, he kind of broke it a little bit more. Like, he squeezed it or something. Um, oh, yeah. To make her agree. So that was kind of rough mm -hmm. also. Like, yeah, that wasn't pleasant. So yeah, he squeezed her arm and she agreed, but they agreed on one week instead of two. Or I, I think maybe it was two that he officially offered or three, I don't know, just I know it was more than what she then bargained for. Um. So yeah, she got the tattoo. Yeah, she got the tattoo, her arm was fixed, but yeah, we just, yeah, we have just like this like mysterious guy who is sort of helping her, but he's also sort of being an awful asshole at the same time and i do remember at this point i was like sending you voice notes like what's this guy's deal because i can like tell that there's something more behind what he's doing like i don't think he's just like purely evil for the sake of being evil there has to be like some sort of motivation behind like why he's like so interested i guess in Feyre and so like involved with like her trial and like helping her but like i could not get his motivation by this point i was just like guessing like why why does he care so much right yeah i i guessed actually um okay. i mean when he told her that he bet on her and then wanting to help her i just kind of thought that everyone thought he was amarantha's whore like that was literally uh -huh. the term um, and I just knew that there was more to him. I pro I thought, I, I actually did think at that point that he was probably just doing it to help everyone secretly. But of course, he had to play a part so that people wouldn't yeah. know. Um, so that she wouldn't know, actually. So I kind of I kind of knew. Yeah, I kind of forgot that when Feyre, if Feyre brings all these tasks and saves Stabling, that she's not only saving, you know, her true love, she's also, like, saving literally all of the fate that are stuck under the mountain. Like, that's just something that I kind of just... I mean, it was obvious, but I sort of did, uh, like, truly put two and two together. So if you do put two and two together, then, like, of course, he would want to help this girl because he wants to, like, go home and, like, not be stuck and controlled here anymore course, so yeah. in that case it actually like makes sense why he's doing everything he's doing yep so yeah and after that um he parades also Farah every night there's like 
they have these parties at night, these balls, and he just dresses her up. Well, actually, she he kind of undresses her. She's pretty much like naked in these like little little dresses. You know, you can see her um her breasts and probably her ass too. Um, and she's like mm-hmm. she has tattoos. Oh, I mean, not tattoos, just like uh, paint all over her body, so that if anyone else touches her where they're not supposed to, you can tell. Um, and yeah, he makes her like sit on his lap and he touches her upper body. He never goes below her waist. I remember that. But that was all kind of annoying to me to read that just because, you know, like I, I don't, I didn't like that. I mean, what, why was that necessary parading her like that? And I, I was just annoyed. Yeah. At that point, like, yeah, Raisan just like truly seemed like an asshole. Uh, I, yeah, still, I didn't get the feeling that. He was truly just, like, trying to help her because he just, like, was so nice. Like, it truly, like, felt like there was, like, some ulterior motives. So, of course, like, he healed her arm, but he couldn't just, like, heal her arm and be like, okay, he, like, used this opportunity to, like, you know, yeah, my family jealous or whatever else was in, like, his mind. Like, that was just, like... So confusing to me, but yeah, I was like really like not comfortable reading all of those descriptions of Feyre just like like dressing in a way that she tr- definitely wasn't comfortable. And he was dragging getting her. Painted. Yeah, and then just like blacking out and like not remember anything that happened at night. And like then like we get an explanation that that was like the only thing like he could think of to like keep her safe, you know, make sure that she's like not dying and she's not in that cell. But also, like, still be that, like, evil, creepy character so that no one is, like, you know, doubting him. So there was, like, really, like, not much he could do to, like, get his plan done, right? Mm -hmm. But it, like, before you know that, you're just, like, not comfortable reading Feyre being put in that position. Like, it wasn't, like, (laughs) good. I mean, I don't know. Even when we find out, I still thought it was unnecessary. I didn't really see the point in that, and I feel like a lot of people forget that about him okay. or dismiss it, mm-hmm. kind of like um, you know, excuse it. I don't know, but I that that that's a part of Rysand Rysand that I never really kind of liked, honestly. And even when we, but we shouldn't talk about that now because you know that's for second the second book. Yeah. I guess we should discuss that there. Yeah. Um so yeah, but what I what I did like was in the second test he helped her out because she had to like, you know, remember she had to choose something and she couldn't because she had to read it out on the wall and she didn't know how to read. So Resent he kind of forced her hand. He has obvious abilities and he oh, he he used the connection that they had with the arm because her you know, they the did the bargain and she had her arm tattooed because yeah. of the bargain. That's like part of the night court lore. Um, so yeah, he helped her choose the right answer and that's how he saved her and Lucian too because Lucian was the one that was on the line. His life was on the line. So that was also a really nice thing to do and I really liked him for it. Can I uh, be annoying about Lucian for a second again? Yes, of course. <laughs> so as we know, Feyre was... After the first trial in that cell, literally a couple of days, if not hours away from literally dying because she was beat up, her arm was hurting, all of that, and there was like no help coming. And then Raisan came and actually like, gave her that bargain, and it was absolutely shitty, but 
favorite than like Reed because like she truly had no choice. She obviously had no choice by that point because she was close to literal death, right? And then a couple, I think, days later, Lucien like finally showed up. And when he found out that Feyre took this bargain with Ryzen, he was so pissed off. He was like, how could you do this? How couldn't she wait for me? Like, girl, she was dying. Yeah. Like, you you showed up, like, days later. She would have been, like, dead in, in this bed, in this cell, if she waited that long. So how could you possibly be mad at her for trying to survive and trying to save your best friend and trying to save you? And just, like, you see, like, the only opportunity she had to do that. But no, like, you had the nerve to be pissed off at her when she would have literally been dead because, like, I think, like, Dushin was, like, also, like, beat up and, like, wasn't able to, like, go help her any earlier. But still, like, he had no right to be pissed off at her by that point because she would have literally died if she was just, like, waiting around for you any longer. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I I, uh, liked Lucian at the beginning, but honestly, as the book progressed, I didn't like him anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just annoyed me. Um, like you said, stupid, stupid. I mean, it's like he he isn't intelligent. Sometimes I thought that. I don't know. Um, but if I play the devil's advocate, I could say that, you know, he's fake. He maybe didn't think about the fact that Farah's human and that her, you know, arm can heal probably a bit slower than his arm would heal. Um, but still, it's still so stupid to judge her. It's like he's very judgy. I, and I really don't like judging yeah. people. I just don't. So he gives me the ick a little bit. I did uh, empathize with him because, you know, he did kind of help her in that first trial and then he got whipped for it. And that was kind of sad, but yeah. That was, yeah. But I still feel like he did sort of always believe that Feyre is just stupid. (laughs) Like there was, yeah, all those moments where he was like really judging her while Farrah was doing the best she had with the information she possessed. Like, I actually, like, thought that for the most part, like, yeah, I was, like, annoyed at her at some moments, like, at the very beginning when she was, like, mean to Dabling, when there was, like, really no reason to be mean to him. But for the most part, Farrah was actually, like, pretty rational in that book. Like, she's, she's, like, 19, right? And she doesn't have all the information because like all of you are physically unable to tell her anything more so with what she knows she's like truly like doing her best yeah like she's like not like being like stupid or irrational like okay like she like ran into that fountain but still like i don't think she like really was like some like she still had skills right like she kept her family alive by hunting for all those years so I don't think that she was, like, one of those protagonists who, like, knows nothing, has zero experience, like, has no idea what they're doing, and then just, like, runs into battle and somehow is, like, she, she, like, still, like, did her best with, like, the knowledge she had and, like, the information that she had, and, like, I really didn't appreciate all of those times where, when supposedly her friends just, like, judge her, like, as if she was, like, a fucking dumbass, like, I don't know. Yeah, that is true. You, you did mm-hmm. get that vibe from Lucian. Like, he kind of thought he was stupid a bit. Um, but in actuality, he was the one that was a bit stupid. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, then, okay, let's skip to the last trial where she has to kill, literally kill, three people. 
Um, I was actually scared at that point that the t- because there were three people that it was going to be Alice and her two nephews, you know, because they also said like a oh. girl and two boys. And I was like, okay, you know, she has two boy nephews. So, I mean, boy nephews, obviously boy nephews. But yeah, um, I was kind of scared of that. And anyways, it was like a plot twist that it was Tamlin. And I was like, you bitch, this is not fair. But I also knew that it was weird. Like, I knew there was there was a catch. No way that they would kill Tamlin off in the first book. But since I kind of got this vibe from Resand, like, they might actually kind of like each other or something. I was like, wait, are they gonna go there? And are they literally gonna kill Tamlin off so that then she can be with Resand? I was scared of that. But yeah, I was glad when it turned out that uh, Amaranta was bluffing because obviously she wanted Tamlin for herself. So why would she get rid of him? Didn't make sense. Actually, when we found out that there were three people and we couldn't see their faces, mm-hmm. my first thought was that Amaranta somehow got a hold of her family, that that was Nestling and her father. But I was actually like fully believing, even when like they like took the masks off and she was like, bartering them i thought what if like the glamour falls away and it's actually heard that that's a good one but how fucked up it is that my mind went into like a more fucked up place than amaranta even thought of that's like not okay from me yeah yeah (laughs) there must be something wrong with you i know (laughs) no no yeah but no that's that's a legit good one i i mean i didn't think of that Mm -hmm. i really thought of alice i don't know i guess i didn't think of that option because i was like maybe they're gonna be important in the future but I knew that Alice and her nephews probably wouldn't be. So anyways, she sta- ends up stabbing Tamlin because his heart is made of stone and she can't hurt him. And then all hell breaks loose because everyone, obviously all the Fae, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, she actually did it. Now you have to break the curse, Amaranta. You said so. But Amaranta's like, yeah, I did. But I never said when, bitches. Okay. And I knew, I knew, I knew that was going to happen. I, You have yeah. to be careful with the stupid words. You know, everything mm-hmm. matters. Loopholes are a thing in this world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she basically, she loses her shit and she starts torturing Farah, breaking her bones. That was so traumatic, guys. Like, I was dying. and But Farah was in actuality dying and she died. She snapped her neck. Yeah. And honestly, it was so interesting um, to hear how Risand was kind of crying her name out and how he was like it trying is. to come and protect her. And so that was also so weird because I didn't get like, yeah, he was kind of nice to her and everything if we don't think about the problematic aspects. But I was like, mm-hmm. when did he grow so emotionally attached? What is it with this dude? <laughs> it was so weird. That's absolutely the truth because... I remember even talking about this with you or like sending this to you in the voice note that like before this, before Under the Mountain, Rysad like really met Feyre one time, one time in this dance and they talked for like 14 seconds. So before I like understood that, of course, he's saving her like at least because he also wants to be rid of Amaranta. So that's how that makes logical sense. I was thinking like, did they really like, meet for like 14 seconds and he's that crazy in love with her that he will like do everything that she does today? Like it felt unrealistic. Yeah. 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 I, I I I didn't dig it. I didn't dig it. Like I said, I like it when male like well when the guys are really into the girl, but I need to get more first, you know, like 
actual yeah. reasons because then I get invested. But if it's just like for the sake of it, mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell? You know, this is too much. Anyways, um, it was super sad. I was super sad for Farah for her being hurt. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of like when she died, she went into Rasan's head and she saw everything that he saw. Oh no! But oh my gosh, what are we talking about? Wait, I'm I'm so confused right now. When did Farah um solve the riddle? Uh, right before she died, right? Yes, right before she yes. died. And then she snapped her neck. And then El Help broke loose when Tamlin attacked her. And he literally tore her head off. That He tore uh-huh. her freaking head off. That was so good. I, I love that. Yeah. I was so happy yeah. he did that. And she saw all that from Risan's uh, head. Because she, I think she mm-hmm. got in there because of the connection she had with the tattoo and the, you know, bargain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so good because I was like just like truly rooting for someone to rip Miranda's head off. Yeah. Oh, I was so pissed off. She was truly just like going, just admit that you don't really love him. Just admit that you don't love Paris. Like she couldn't like stand that Feyre like actually, actually fell in love. Yeah. Because like her whole point was that like humans just like hate fairies and that would like prove that and that she would just like had such a temper tantrum oh my god yeah <laughs> and i was just so pissed off i just could not stand it kind of childish kind of childish oh yeah mm-hmm. um and oh, and one dimensional in my point like i know she her sister died and everything but that wasn't enough for me to be like oh she's morally great i don't know i mean she wasn't morally great at all um but no she was just evil yeah she was just evil bitch um, anyways, when Tamlin ripped her head off, I was so happy. And then, of course, of course, Farah couldn't die. I mean, hello. Um, so mm-hmm. they basically, what what happened was that the High Lords, they kind of gave her a part of their power, all of them. And in that way, they kind of saved her. But she came back as High Fae as well. She wasn't just human anymore, but she was High Fae like the rest of them were. Yeah, after that, she went to her room. And after that, I mean, with Tamlin and everything was nice and fine again, right and fine again in the world. But after that, when she went to sleep, uh, Rissant kind of called her to the balcony with his um, with his little bargain thingy. And they had an interesting conversation, like very mature and calm and no snapping at each other. So that was nice. And she kind of finally realized that maybe he isn't her enemy. And she realized that he really did want to just get rid of Amaranta and of this place. I mean, he told her that before. And I think I forgot to mention another tender part that I really liked between them. And it was when he came one night to her cell and she asked him why was he there. And he told her that he just wanted some place to go, to be alone and to be calm and to think, I guess. Um, And it was so nice that, you know, he decided to go there and talk to her about it. And... It was nice. So anyways, what shocked me here and what confused me in this part where they were talking on the balcony was when he just kind of froze mid-sentence and he looked super shocked and he kind of just vanished. He just disappeared and Pharaoh was just left standing there being super confused. So that confused me too. I was like, what does that mean? What did he realize in that moment? Of course, we don't find out in this book. We'll have to wait for the second one. (laughs) But yeah, that was interesting. What did you think, Anya, when that happened? Did you have a theory or... I think I just wanted to find out what's going on. I was just like... I could tell that whatever it is, it's going to be important later. But I don't think I had like a solid theory. I mean, yeah, I mean, we found out that he could read minds. So I don't know, maybe he like suddenly 
found out something and just had to like leave. I don't know. I knew that it's definitely going to come up. So right. I was just like, okay, I need to keep reading. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We came, I think we came to the end, right? I mean, did anything happen after that? Um, Tamling and Feyre then traveled to the Supreme Court, to their home and lived happily ever after. And nothing bad happened. <laughs> of course, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. The story ends here, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we wish, huh? But it really does. Like it ends with them coming back to Spring Court. And yeah, sort of just being content, being happy. I guess, right? Right? Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> um, um, of course, um, the next episode is gonna be about. Akomath, A Court of Mist and Fury, and then we're going to continue on with the series. Um, the little novella we're probably going to do together with A Court of Silver Flames, just because it's super short and, you know, why not? We're just going to kind of take some points, Fair. main points from the novella into The Court of Silver Flames. And yeah, hopefully you guys like this episode. Um, we're obviously not Americans, we're Europeans. Um, and yeah, um, you can follow us on Instagram and on TikTok. We're More Than Fiction Podcast and we would really appreciate the support since we're just starting. And it would be also really nice if you guys subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Right, Tanya? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we will surely figure out how to get this recording onto all the platforms. So stay tuned for that. And the trailer. <laughs> we're we're posting the trailer yeah. first. So when you listen yeah. to this, the trailer should be already up and running. Yeah. Um and yeah, maybe we'll if you guys are interesting, we'll also do an episode where we just kinda introduce ourselves a little bit more, who we are, where we're from, what we do um and just how we know each other i guess or something i don't know let us know and yeah that's it for today right yeah i think we did good i think we did good ah it was a good good first episode i yeah. think i'm i'm happy yeah. i'm happy with it yeah so good podcast we did it we did it well okay again Yay. thanks for listening guys don't forget to subscribe and see you next time <laughs> see you next time Bye.